0: You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We are in a series called Once Upon a Parable, where Jesus utilizes stories to tell us what the kingdom of God is really like. We're in a series called Once Upon a Parable. We've been looking at the parables of Jesus in the, as told in Matthew chapter 13. The entire series has been on one chapter of the, of the Bible. We've been taking one parable per week. And today we're talking about the very last parable in that chapter. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 51 and 52 is where we're going to be. We're also going to be looking through a bunch of other verses as well. So if you have a tablet or a phone, uh, something that has access to the internet, you can download the UVersion app uh, if you can install that app on your, on your device and pull up the Crosspoint Fellowship um, event, live event that we have in there for you. You'll be able to follow along with the verses pretty quickly. We'll also have the verses up on the screen for you as well, so we'll make it nice and easy for you. Let me kind of recap the series real quick in just like a minute or two, just kind of where, we're, where we've been so that we can understand where we're going today. In week one, we talked about how the kingdom is valuable, that that, that the the kingdom of God is so valuable that we would be willing to do whatever it takes to get a hold of it. We would go all in, so to speak, to get the kingdom, like a treasure that was hidden in a field. We would do whatever it takes to get that treasure. In week two, we talked about how this idea of the kingdom of God, we sow that idea just like a sower would sow seeds in the ground. We sow that idea into the hearts of people that need to know about the kingdom. In week three, we talked about how the enemy would love to come in and, and take away that, that, that gift and, 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 take, and pull people away from the kingdom of God. In week four, we talked about how the kingdom is always ever-growing all the time, like a, a mustard seed grows into a, a large mustard tree, and that it becomes so big that it can actually give rest to people who are around it, even people who don't know Christ, and it permeates this broken culture that we all live in. Last week we talked about, it's kind of a heavy week, last week we talked about uh, heaven and hell. We talked about how Satan would love to to pull people away from the kingdom of God and take them into his kingdom, which is destined for hell, but Christ is doing everything that he can to love people into his kingdom and bring them to heaven. Today we're going to be talking about how, almost kind of coming back full circle to week one, we found this treasure, this treasure of the kingdom of God, Now, what do we do with it? We're holding this treasure. Do we just sit on it forever and ever, or do we do something with it? And so the question we're asking today is, what do we do once we've found the treasure? Once we've found the treasure of the kingdom of God, what are we going to do with it? So Matthew 13, um, like I said, the the verses are going to be up on the screen. If you don't have a paper Bible or a tablet, uh, we'll throw them up on the screen so you can just look up there. But let's go ahead and dive in. Matthew 13, 51. And this is going to be the shortest parable we've done all series. So it'll be nice nice and quick, and then we'll we'll kind of tear it apart. But in verse fifty one Jesus, before he tells the parable, Jesus says, "Do you understand all these things?" He's talking to this crowd that's heard all these parables over the last five weeks and six weeks today. Um, they've heard the same parables, and they say, "Yeah, we, we do understand. we do understand what all these things mean and then in verse fifty two he gives them one last parable, he says, "Then he added." Every teacher of religious law who come, becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. New gems of truth as well as old. So this, we get this picture of this homeowner that, that goes into his, the, the dark recesses of the storage of his house and he finds all these gems. Some of them are old, some of them are new, and he brings them out to share with others. What do we do once we found the treasure of God? We, we give it away. We give it to people who need it. And that treasure is going to be sometimes old, and it's going to be sometimes new. So we're going to talk about three things this morning. The first is that we should give old treasure away. One of the things that the homeowner did was he found all this old treasure that was in his house, and he gave it away. I was thinking this week about old treasure, old things. My, my wife and I love to go to museums when we go on vacation. Uh, we went to New York City a few years ago. We'd love to go to, what, what kind of old things can we find? And, and these valuable old artifacts are so are so treasured by us today, even though they're, they're ancient. I read this story about a month ago. There was a, a guy in Colorado that was cleaning out his his barn uh, in, Co- in Colorado. He had this whole huge barn full of stuff and it was all collecting dust and he was going in there and he wanted to kind of clean it out and, and get rid of some of it, kind of like Jack was cleaning out his stuff and taking it to the dump. Um, he was cleaning out his stuff and trying to figure out what he could sell, what he just needs to get rid of. And he had always seen this mural, this, this painting that was in the back and he thought, oh, it's just probably some local guy that painted it and I should probably get around to figuring out what that is. And so he finally had this appraiser come over. This is just uh, in August of this year. And this guy came over and he said, man, you're sitting on a William Cumming mural. Uh, William Cumming is a famous 20th century American uh, mural artist and wrote a lot of the, or, uh, painted a lot of the murals, the Americana murals that we enjoy today. And it's just been sitting in this guy's barn forever. And uh, he said, yeah, um, we'll restore it. We'll dust it off and get it all nice and neat like it used to be. And uh, we'll give you $100,000 for, for this painting, just sitting in his barn forever. So the old is valuable. Uh, sometimes we don't even know what we're sitting on, um, but, but, but he was able to make $100,000. Some of you this afternoon are going to go to your basement or your attic at, at home and start digging up, try to see what you have that's worth a lot of money. But yeah, he was able to find this old thing that, that, that was incredibly valuable. And you and I have something that's, that's very old, even older than that, that's very valuable, and it's, it's the Bible itself. I was trying to think, like, is there anything that I own that's even more than 100 years old? Uh, some of you maybe live in houses that are a little over 100 years old, but um, think about, do you own anything that's 200 years old? We own something that's, at the minimum, 2,000 years old. We're coming up on 2,000 years for some of the New Testament. And at at the longest period of time, some of the texts that we read, some of us, some of us read on a daily basis, is as, as much as four thousand years old. So to talk about an old treasure that we are just, that we have, and it's available to us at all times, is the Bible. They were written in other languages, they were written to people that are across the world from us, they were written to people that don't have the technology that we do, that, that live life very differently than, than we do, and yet, it's so weird, we value the text of this, of this Bible, this, this ancient text that we still have today. In fact, it informs a lot of what we do, even though it's ancient, and written to people that are not like us at all, we somehow still find a lot of value in it today, and it will be like that for all time. Um... In fact, it really informs, it it, it influences a lot of of how we live our lives today. People who read the Bible and let it influence them, they would say, yeah, when I make a decision or when I hear a new idea that somebody's got about something spiritual, I always check it against what I've read, what I've read in the Bible, and that just shows you just how much they value that text, that ancient Bible text. Let's look at a, a passage in Acts, Acts 17, 10 through 12. We'll see a group of people that actually did this in the New Testament. Now, at the time, the Old Testament was all they had. The New Testament was still in the process of being written. In fact, it's being written about them in Acts 17. But they did have all the Old Testament. And the Old Testament for them was just as old to them as the New Testament is for us. It was about 2,000 years old for them in a lot of the texts. And so we'll see what they, what they, how they valued the Old Testament, how they valued the old treasure of the, the Old Testament. In verse 10 of Acts 17, it says, that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the J- Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Now, Thessalonica was the town that Paul had just come from, Paul and Silas had just come from. They basically made them so mad that the Thessalonians ran them out of town and said, we don't want you here anymore. They w- immediately went to Berea. They get a completely different experience in Berea. And the Bereans are very open-minded, as it just said. We like the word open-minded. If I said that you were open-minded, you would think that was a compliment. If I said that you were, I thought you were a closed-minded person, that's very insulting to you. They were very open-minded. Let's see why it says that they were open-minded. It says, this is why. The Bereans searched the, the old, the scriptures, day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And as a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek men and women, So we see that from this text that the Bereans were open-minded because they checked the new against the old. They weren't just open-minded because they considered new stuff. They were open-minded because they considered new stuff and compared it to the old. The old was so valuable to them that they had to consider the past when considering the future. Now, You and I do this every day, um, whether consciously or unconsciously. We're doing this constantly. Um, New ideas come across our desk, our, our, our table, our home all the time, and we're balancing it, we're checking it against the old. These thoughts that they were hearing from Paul. Paul was coming in and expressing things that they'd never heard of before. Jesus is the, is the Messiah that was promised. He's talking about all these miracles and things. And they go, man, I'm not sure I believe that, but it sounds interesting. And I, I tell you what, let's check it against the Old Testament and see if it makes sense. See if what you're telling us actually could be true. And if it could be true, then we'll believe it. And they balanced it against the Old to see if it would. Are you the same way? Do you, do you say, when you hear something new, do you say, does it match up with what I already know to be true, not just the Old Testament but the New Testament as well, does it balance with what I know from the Bible? Um, do you do you have the the Berean mindset where all your evaluations start with your start with the Bible? Do your evaluations start there? Start with the text that we know to be true. I'll give you an example. Uh, if if this was to happen, to, I, this would I don't believe this would ever happen in this church, but it could happen in other churches. But if uh, one of the things we know to be true from the Bible is that we must call on the name of Jesus to be saved. The salvation is through Christ alone. We know that it's talked about over and over again throughout the Bible. It's abundantly clear. So if someone from this church or another church was to say, you know, there are other ways to heaven, there are other ways to be saved, it doesn't have to be just through Jesus Christ. You can call on the names of other gods or, or do this, or if you're a really good person, you'll be saved, but you don't have to call on the name of Jesus to, get to achieve, say, achieve salvation. We would immediately reject that teaching. We would challenge that person on the face of it because we know for sure what the old says. The old says that, that we call on the name of Christ for salvation, so that's that's giving old treasure away, valuing the old. We have to understand the old in order to understand the new. So, but the second point is that we give new treasure away. We can't give just old treasure away. We have to give new treasure away as well. Um, when we're talking about giving this treasure away to people that need Christ, that need to be a part of the kingdom of God, it's not enough just to give them the old stuff and not bring it into the new for them. And so we're going to talk about that next. So in the same way that the old mural that this guy found, this William coming. Uh, mural found was $100,000. There are things that are made new nowadays that are $100,000. You can go out today, uh, you, not me, go out today and get a BMW for $100,000, and it's going to be worth the same amount as that mural. So the old is valuable, but the new is valuable as well. And this homeowner was finding new treasures to bring out to them as well, the people that needed him. So let's look at Matthew 9. This is just a few chapters earlier in the same book that we were just reading in Matthew 13. Matthew nine fourteen through 17 is a great passage. It's a passage where Jesus is challenged with some of the old teachings um, that they had um, kind of taught themselves and gotten wrong and, and distorted over time. And they wanted to see what Jesus' reaction was to some of these old uh, treasures. And Jesus gives them a new way of thinking about it. In verse 14, Matthew 9, it says, One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and like the Pharisees do? And essentially, Jesus is being asked a question of tradition at this point. Fasting was all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. Jesus was is, talked about fasting quite a bit. Um, the idea behind fasting is that when you have something that is uh, something maybe that you're mourning over, that you're emotional about, passionate about, something that's maybe not quite right in your world or in the world at large, and you want to seek God fervently about it, you might give up food. You might spend those times that you would normally be eating lunch to just get on your knees and go before God in in passionate prayer. That is not how the Pharisees saw fasting. It had been distorted over time. It was ritual for them. It was something they did maybe as much as twice a week. And they just did it because that's what you did. And that's that's part of our tradition. That's part of our culture is we fast twice a week. They would do it in front of other people and impress them. It was not something that meant anything to them. And Jesus challenges that. In verse 15, he says, Jesus replied, do, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. What he's talking about here is, is uh, well, let me throw it out this way. The last time that you went to a wedding, were people fasting and just abstaining from food, or were they gorging themselves so that you had to roll people out of the reception hall after they were done, okay? So, fast there's a time and a place and fasting the time for fasting is probably not at a wedding reception if i was in the middle of a fast and i went to a wedding reception i'd probably hold off on that fast just for that one night i think probably most of you would do the same Jesus, this is real quick, this isn't really a lot about the message today, but Jesus is basically saying, look, there's a time and a place for fasting, and when they're hanging out with me for the next three years, that's not the time to be doing it. Now, one day, they will need to fast. When I leave them and the Holy Spirit needs to come, they're going to be burdened, and they're going to feel that passion that they have to seek God and, and ask for the Holy Spirit to come. They're going to fast then, but not now. Now it's not the time. And then 16 and 17 is ro- really where we're headed today, where uh, he talks about new stuff, Verse 16, he says, Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. In verse 17, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins, so that both are preserved. We want to give new wine to people and, and put them into their new wineskins. Now, the wine and wineskin thing is confusing to us. We don't really understand what that's like. We don't make wine that way anymore. We use vats and barrels and modern equipment. Back then, what they would do is they would take new wine. They would, they would, they would collect all the juices and put in the yeast and everything. They would take this wine, and they would put it into a new wineskin what would happen is that the wine itself would give off um, would uh, would gases would escape from it it would expand it would contract the wineskin had to kind of move with that whole process and it would it would in the process it would it would it would kind of expand and get further out as it did that it would get very brittle and very hard which is what you wanted at the at the time they would they would you know pour out the wine and drink it if you tried to put new wine again in that used wineskin and the old wineskin you're asking for trouble because at that point, the old wineskin is so compact, it's so unbudgeable, unmu- unmoving, unflexible, that once you put in that new wine, what's going to happen? It's going to expand that thing and it's just going to explode, and all your wine's going to go all over your new carpet. So, um, that's not what you want to do. Um, Jesus is making a, point, uh, a statement about pliability here. He's saying, yes, there's new teachings that you need to hear, but you need to be pliable enough to hear them. Uh, yes, the old is valuable, but the new is valuable as well, and you've got to be pliable enough to to listen to it and uh, maybe even change your mind. So that's the next thing I wanted to, to tell you under this point is that We've got to change our mindset if we're going to be ready for the new. If we're gonna adapt our, 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 for the culture that we're around, we're not living in, in the culture of the 1900s or the 1800s, if we're gonna to adapt to the 2014 culture that we exist in today, we've got to be changing our mindset and be ready to give new treasures away to the people who need to hear it. You and I want new, new results about, around the people that we know. We want people that we know to accept Christ, to have their lives changed like our lives have been changed. But we have to have a new mindset in order to do that. Um, last year, a little little over a year ago, um, I lost a lot, a bunch of weight. I lost about 40 pounds. I've gained about half of that back. We won't talk about that today. But, but I, but I did pretty good for a while there. I, 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 lost a bunch of weight, and as I was learning that weight, people were losing that weight. A lot of people were asking me, "How are you doing it? Are you, you know, some miracle diet that you're on?" Or they wanted to know what the secret was. I didn't really have a secret. I, I just my mindset changed enough where. I didn't want the things I wanted anymore. I, I you know, I, I said if I'm going to lose weight, I got to get serious about the way that I eat. I did exercise some, and that helped um, a little bit. But really, um, you know, you, you've probably heard some a phrase like this said that diets don't work, but changing your diet does. That's how it was for me. That it wasn't like I tried diet A, or, and diet A didn't work, so I tried diet B. It was more of just I, I, I want to. Portions need to be this. Uh, This kind of food needs to be gone out of my my diet. I want to eat these things instead. And and I was diligent about it enough that I lost weight. That weight loss isn't going to happen without a mindset change. Your mind has to change if you want something to be different uh, in your life. Um, diets don't work if you're just following a list of rules. Like, oh, if I eat these eight things and don't eat those seven things and get this number of points, you know, some of that may work for some people, but if it's not working for you, maybe a mindset change needs to happen. So a mindset change is what Jesus came to bring us spiritually as well. Not a stop doing this and start doing this over here, but change the way you think about it. When it came to fasting, Jesus wasn't saying don't fast anymore. What he was saying is fasting's got to mean something. If you're going to fast, it's got to be for a purpose, for a reason. You've got to be so burdened about something that you want to go to Christ, you want to go to God himself, and, and, and maybe fasting is a part of that process of seeking him. And so he's challenging their ideas, their old mindset, and saying, no, let's bring it into the present here. You've done this tradition and distorted what was the original purpose back in the Old Testament so much that you think that in this you have life. You're just fasting for no reason. But I'm telling you, new life, new things come from thinking it, Uh, thinking about it in a different way. When they were desperate, when the disciples were desperate for Christ and, and the Holy Spirit, after he had left them, they would fast. But it would be for a different reason. A couple weeks ago, we looked at a passage that I loved, and our small group loved it. We talked about it quite a bit on our Wednesday night small group. This idea that the mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, can become this massive, massive tree that You would never think that a bird could ever perch on something as small as a seed, a a mustard seed especially, but that mustard seed eventually will become so large that multiple birds could actually perch on what was once that seed. And I've been thinking about that a lot over the next couple, the last couple weeks since Shane talked about that in his message earlier in Matthew 13 is where that passage is found. And it made me think more about transformation and fulfillment, how, in a sense, that, that small seed is fulfilled one day when it becomes this massive tree, that that is its fulfillment in life is to become a tree, and it becomes fulfilled when it gets placed into the ground. Let's look at another passage in Matthew, Matthew 5, 17 and 18. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. We did a series, if you're interested in learning more about the Sermon on the Mount, Shane preached a great series on the Sermon on the Mount uh, back in summer of 2013, midsummer. Uh, it It's called Greater Than. If you want to go back on our podcast and go back and listen to it and learn more about what I'm going to talk about just for a few minutes here, uh, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. I think it was like a nine-week series, and all of them were really great, and it was about this idea about how uh, Christ wants to bring us something greater than what, what we've known in the past. So just a, a little piece of it, Matthew 5:17 and 18. It says, don't misunderstand why I have come. This is Jesus talking. I did not come to abolish the law, abolish the old or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish, or some translations say fulfill. I came to fulfill it, accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, unless heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So what Jesus came to do is is to tell us is that the old is fulfilled or accomplished in the new. The old is extremely valuable. We're never going to do away with the old. The text that we have, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we're not going to do away with that. But in a sense, it does have to adapt for a new culture that doesn't understand it. And it's not, it's not like them. It's not what anything that they've heard before. That's what the word fulfilling or accomplishing means. It means transformation. In the same way that the mustard seed is transformed and fulfilled into a massive mu- mustard tree, we ourselves have to take this old text, this old text that we value so highly, and transform it into something that makes sense for us today, makes sense for the people that are around us. And that's going to be a mindset change and a transformation. Um, In that series, Shane talked a lot about limits versus uh, giving and serving. And and serving is, if you've been with Crosspoint for a while, you know serving is a big deal for us. We actually are kind of our mantra here is we are here to serve. We end every service by reminding you of that. Um, the Sermon on the Mount is great for that because there were a series of limits that they had set for themselves that the Old Testament had set for them and they had taken to the extreme. In the Old Testament, it says, and this is talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, and he repeats that phrase a lot, but you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, They had taken that to the extreme and said that, oh, if you knock out my eye, I get to knock out your eye. If you uh, kill one of my cows, I get to go and kill one of your cows. And it was a revenge mentality. That was not what the Old Testament was was trying to do by executing that law. What the Old Testament was trying to do was set limits. It was trying to say, if someone steals one of your cows, you can't take four of theirs. If someone knocks out your one eye, don't take both of their eyes. There's a limit to how much you can exact that punishment upon people that have harmed you. Now, Jesus says, okay, if that's what the limit is, you've, you've misunderstood it, you think that you have to get revenge on people, but let's just say that that's a limit. How about not even taking revenge at all? How about not even going back at them and getting back at them? How about serving them instead? So if someone comes, tries to come and take your shirt, um, give them your shirt and maybe give them your cloak as well. Let's serve these people that maybe are trying to take advantage of us. That's a very foreign idea, very new idea, very new treasure that he was giving them. But it was an idea that he had to take from the Old Testament and transform into the new. Now, Let's transition a little bit. You, you and I can take this idea of transformation, taking the old and making it new again, into the way that we talk with other people, the people that we work with, the people that we go to school with, the people that we live around. This trans- idea of transformation is all over the New Testament. And we want when we bring new treasures to them, we want to help them understand, yes, understand the old, but make sense of it in a new way for them, that makes sense for them. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5 uh, before we go on to our last point. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 is a passage we read a lot here at Crosspoint. We love it. There's some of the richest text about how we reach people and how we serve people is in 2 Corinthians, and, and the ch- chapter number 5 is, is just rife with all kinds of stuff that we can learn and bring into our world today. 5, 16 through 18 is what we're going to read. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life is, has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I love that word reconcile. We've talked about it some here at Crosspoint. Um, if, you, if you've ever known a, a couple that's, that's just fighting, um, maybe they're married, maybe they're dating, but they're just not speaking to one another. Maybe they haven't spoken to each other for weeks. And you come in between that couple and you say, you know, you go to the guy and, you know, you know what do you, how are you feeling? And you, and you go to the girl and you say, this is what he thinks. And then you go back to the guy and this is what she thinks. You're trying to reconcile those two people together, trying to restore the relationship that was broken. That's essentially what the imagery that, that Paul's using here. He says, you and I are going to do the same thing with people that don't know Christ. Their relationship with God has been broken. Sin has come in between them and God himself, and it's up to you to help reconcile those people back into relationship with God. But we, when that happens, when they get reconciled, the old becomes new. They get transformed, and the new takes over in their new life. When, um, I was thinking about this just a few days ago, that when, and maybe you've thought about this, maybe you haven't, but when you became a Christian, if, you, if you're a Christian, if you say that this morning that you follow Christ, when you became a Christian, did your personality change? Did you start to do or think differently um, about just stuff that's not spiritual? Um, did you become a different kind of person? Did you not recognize, you know, I, I used to be this kind of a personality. Now I'm, we now used to be an introvert. Now I'm an extrovert. God doesn't really change our gift sets. The gift sets that He gave us at birth, He doesn't change those. When He gives us a personality at birth, that personality stays when we become a Christian. Yeah, there is a mindset change, and we do think differently spiritually. We do do different things. Our lives are, are changed in the sense of what we do, our actions, the way we think. But our personality, the things that make you, you, those don't change. And so the old is still there, but the new has to come in as well. And in the same way that the mustard seed gets changed into something different, it still retains the basic quantities of what made that seed, not mustard seed, a mustard seed. And it becomes a mustard tree and does different things, but the core uh, essence of what it was does not get changed. And we want to help people get to the point where they can forget their past, even though that they never truly forget their past that they start to not do those old things anymore and start doing new things, even though they always remember the old things that they used to do. God's not gonna wipe your brain when you come to Christ, but he is gonna give you a new mindset. And we wanna help people do that as well. Um, So think about who you can be a go-between this week, um, the week that we're about to start here. Who at work can you help reconcile back to God and give them new things, new things in their life, Um, not forgetting the old, transitioning the old into the new. And we want to do that. We want to give both the old and the new to people, the old treasure, the old scripture that we have. We want to express that to them, but we also want to give it to them in a new way, a way that makes sense for them. But how do we do that? Um, The third last point that we want to talk about this morning is using a closed-hand, open-hand approach. Now, this is something, This, this uh, what you see up on the screen, closed hand, open hand. I stole that from Mark Driscoll. He's, he's very famous for, for expressing this in this kind of terminology. But I love it so much that I thought we, we'd talk about it just a little bit this morning before we close. That we have to use a closed hand, open hand approach when it comes to the old and the new. The way he explains it is kind of like this that there are some things that we believe as Christians that go in the closed hands, things that we're not willing to, to negotiate, things that we're not willing to change. And then there's other things that go in the open hands, things that, that we are willing to change, that, that must change. As culture changes around us, things go in the open hands. So examples of things that would go in the closed hand would be, um, that, like I said earlier, calling the name of Jesus to be saved. That's never gonna change. Um, that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's never gonna change. That we need to repent from our sins, that we need to be baptized, things that we're not willing to give up and we're not willing to budge on, um, things that, that go in the closed hand. But then there are other things that, that go in the open hands, like our methodology, the way that we talk to people. Um, we're, gonna, we're doing tailgate parties. We're doing, um, you know, block parties and things that reach out to the community around us. We probably won't do those forever, but we're going to do them right now because that's what makes sense for our culture today, things that, that can and must change if we're going to reach the people around us. Um, Jesus was good at this. He was really good at finding out exactly what his audience was and speaking to them in a way that made sense for them. He didn't just come to them and start quoting a bunch of Old Testament and say... Okay, now come to, come to me and, and, and repent of your sins. He, he quoted some of the Old Testament. He used some of that rich text that we believe, but he also told stories about farmers. He told stories about fields. He told stories about uh, mustard seeds and trees and things that they understood because they were an agricultural culture, stuff that we have to actually kind of adapt for our culture because we don't, uh, unless you're a farmer, you probably don't understand what it means to sow seeds and ground and, and then fall over, you know, fall on the, on the, on the street and on the good soil on the bad soil. We don't understand some of that stuff today because we're not farmers, but they got it. It was culturally consistent with what they knew uh, at their time. Uh, Paul was great at it. We talked about Paul earlier, how he would go from town to town and he would speak the language of the people that, that he was speaking to. So when he was speaking to Jewish people, he would speak in, in Hebraic and, 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 and speak their language and speak the things that they understood in their culture. Then he would go to the Greeks, the Roman people, and he would speak Greek to them and he would speak their language figuratively speaking the things that, that they understood. He would quote their prophets and their poets and he would put things in a, sense, in a way that they would understand understand it because it's what they grew up on, and he would just transition it, giving them old things mixed with the new to help them make that transition in their life. So we've got to do the same thing. There's some things that we're not willing to negotiate, but there's some things that have to change, and they have to adapt as the culture around us changes. This is where the the church can get in trouble. There's a lot of things that deserve to be in the open hand that we put in the closed hands, and there are some certain things that deserve to always be in the closed hands that we make open, and they shouldn't be so what that looks like is um we're the stuff that should be in the open hand we put in the closed hand we've always done it this way we're always going to do it that way um this is the kind of music that we've always done we're always going to do that kind of music this is the kind of outreach that we've done always done we're always going to do that outreach and that's never going to change then the opposite can also be just as deadly the stuff that should be never negotiated call on the name of jesus to be saved um, yeah I re- repent but you don't really need to be baptized or it's not only through jesus that you need to be saved sometimes the church will take things in the closed hand and they'll put it in the open hands and that's not that's not what should be so getting this right getting the closed hand and open hands is the secret to giving away old treasure and new treasure to people in a way that helps them transform into the new person that christ wants them to be so let's talk practically um here just for a few minutes before we before we wrap up what what is CrossPoint? How is CrossPoint doing this? Um, how how are people individually doing this uh, as as well as a church? Um, our methodology has changed. Um, so even since we started CrossPoint six years ago, almost six years ago, um, the things that we used to do we don't do anymore. Even in the span of six years. Um, when we first started as a church, we tried door-to-door ministry. We tried um, knocking on doors and 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 talking to people, um, interrupting their dinner time or whatever they were going on was going on in their home. And we just decided that that doesn't really work um, so much in our culture now. Did that used to work in you know yesteryear? Absolutely. And the church has seen a lot of growth because of that kind of ministry. But does it work in 2014? Are, are, are people as welcome to just strangers knocking on their doors? Not as much. I, 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 don't, I don't like it. I don't know if you do. Uh, and, and so with, those are some things that we've said no, that, that needs to change. So we've done different things instead. We serve soccer teams. We, we serve communities by bringing them entertainment and music and free food. We do other things to reach out to the community that they are a little bit more um, open with and, and, and responsive to. It's why we decorate the way that we do. Obviously, we've got some weird decorations going on. We're getting ready to paint the children's room. Maybe they already have. I haven't been over there in a little while, but we're going to make that that place more colorful, more inviting for kids, because that's what speaks the language of 2014 kids today. They love colors and and vibrancy, and we're going to do that for them. Um, it's why we do a, a secular song at the at secular so to speak a song at the beginning of service we want people who don't know any worship songs because they didn't grow up in church they don't know what worship songs even are about we like to give them a song that they know before we give them a whole bunch of songs that they've never heard of before that's just something that we're doing to try to speak the language of the people around us that's a new treasure that we're trying to give them we do we use technology we use blog posts facebook website Things that our, our culture that we live in today is very digital. Not so 30 years ago because no one had a personal computer. But nowadays, people speak the language of digital culture. And so we want to engage in digital culture here at Crosspoint. We've always been about that since, the, since day one. Um, sometimes in our messages we'll reference movie clips or even show movie clips on the screen we'll reference pop culture Shane does that a lot he'll talk about um, a news story that just happened that week or talk about the latest thing that happened in sports we'll reference pop culture because we, we think that those are the parables of our time uh, the parables that, of Jesus are valuable. That's that's the old for us. Is we 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 preach obviously parables of Jesus, but we also talk about modern day parables, things that relate to the people that maybe don't know Christ, don't know the Bible at all, but they understand that despicable me too clip that we showed, and they can maybe see how that maybe relates to the old. And so we give them both old and new. Um, tailgate parties already mentioned sports uh, we're trying to love sports here we're, we're a church of nerds so people that love comic books and video games and stuff like that but we're trying to love sports as well uh, right Jared and um, and, <laughs> and uh, we, we love we want to love sports and a lot of us already love sports um, because Republic loves sports it's a big sports town and a lot of our terminology that we use here at church we, we call it, uh, Christians fans we call um, uh, not, um, unbelievers people who haven't yet become a Christian non-fans. We team members and team leads we use that kind of terminology because we are trying to engage the culture that's around us and republic is is very much about sports Um, i don't mean to say that we've got it all figured out Um, ask any leader we're still we're still trying to figure it out we we want to get better at it we want to engage people in new ways all the time and you can help us figure that out Um, we're always looking for new ideas so please talk to leaders about that we want to give old treasure away to people but in a new way, we want to give them new treasure that relates to them and you can help us figure that out. Um, you can do this in your individual life too. Um, don't ever, ever think that someone other than you is the best person to reach who you work with or that you go to school with or the person that you live next to. Talk about context, I don't. I could go into your workplace and, speak, and try to speak the language of your workplace to your coworkers, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work very well. It's not gonna end up very well. If you go and speak the language that you're already speaking in your workplace, so much better. You can give new treasures away to the people that need it because I don't know how to speak the language of your, your circles that you run around in. And so we want to give you every tool that we can give you. Um, that's why we, we have smolders. So that's why we, get, we have Bible reading plans. We're trying to give you all the, te- the tools to learn the old treasures that, that you and I treasure and will never change. But we also want to give them contextually to to your workplace and help you do that. But you're going to be the best person to do that. Let's look at one, one more uh, short verse, and then we'll go ahead and close. Romans 12, 2, I think, kind of uh, gives us this whole idea of the old and the new, all in one sentence, and, and I, I didn't want to skip over this this morning, um, just because it's so powerful. I think for what we've been talking about, it kind of brings it to a close. In, in Romans 12:2, this is Paul again writing to the Roman his Roman friends. He says, "Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world." He's saying, don't forget, don't forget the old. Yeah, the customs of this world will, will, will try to divert you away from the old things, the old treasures that you've always stood on, the things that you used to value. Don't stop valuing those things and copying the, the, the things that you see out in culture. But, and he, he, this is an important but, he says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So yeah, don't forget the old. Don't copy what, everything that's go- going on in culture, but you've got to change the way that you think. If you're still holding on to old methodologies, things that used to work before but don't work necessarily in our, our culture, you've got to change the way that you think and start doing things that relate to people nowadays. But in the process, don't forget about the, the old things that we stand on, the treasures of the Old and New Testament that will never change and we're never going to negotiate on. Um, so that that I kind of felt like that was just a good kind of wrap up to what we've been talking about this morning. Um, so just kind of recap, and we talked about giving old treasure away. Um, there are truths in this book and the Bible that we read that are so much bigger than you. They're so much bigger than me. Things that are never going to change that we're not willing to negotiate on. But we also can't be blind to the culture around us. We've got to give new treasure away, and the kingdom has to adapt around the culture that's ever changing. And then lastly, we use a closed-hand, open-hand approach. We've got to keep both in tension with one another, that we're giving, yes, we're giving old treasure away, but we're also giving new treasure away to the people that need it. We want to relate to people and, and reach them and where they're at. It's going to be trial and error um, at first. You're going to get it right and you're going to get it wrong, but we've got to keep trying um, to reach the people who are around us. So as the band, the band's going to come up and and lead us in a couple songs. I'm actually going to be in the back for a couple songs while the band is leading you. If you want to pray about these things um, or just, um, you know, I can pray for you, you can pray for me. Uh, I'd love to further the conversation even after service if you want to talk some more. But we want to give you an extended time of worship to kind of think about these things. Um, Where are you at today? Do you feel like maybe you're in the first camp where you need to maybe know the old better, get to know the old treasures of the Bible a little bit better. Uh, maybe you're saying, I understand the old, but I don't really understand how to make it relatable for the new, for the culture that I that I exist in. I'm not sure how to transition that and translate that into a culture that's always changing. Uh, maybe you're doing both, but the tension of it is kind of difficult for you. You're not sure exactly what things can change and what things need to stay the same, and, and you, you want to pray about that this morning. I would love to pray for you, um, or you can pray uh, by yourself or with someone one that's sitting next to you as well as we're singing. So um, as the band comes, let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll just pray about all these things, and that God would help us give this treasure away. God, we thank you that, that you have given us incredible, incredible treasure, that things that that we read are the most, the, the, my Bible is the most important and most valuable possession that I own. And I know a lot of people here feel exactly the same way. More valuable than my house, more valuable than my car, um, more valuable than anything else is is my Bible. And it's because you've made that text so true and so rich and so much about you. And it's 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 what I love. Um, but Lord, I, I don't want to be just content with just... Um, quoting scripture and expecting change, but I've got to translate that into people's minds and, and hearts so that they can accept it. Lord, we want people to be grafted and brought into the kingdom of God, but it's, about, it's all about how we give this treasure away. Just like the homeowner was giving you an old treasure away, we want to do the same thing. So God, change our hearts, change our minds, our mindset, give us a new mindset. Um, help us to see you in a new way, not that, you change, that you're changing because you are, you are never changing God, but the culture around us is changing and we have to adapt to it. So help us to do that. Help us to be open to those kinds of change, changes while never uh, changing the, um, the gospel that is always, always going to be there. Um, Lord, as we sing and as we pray, I just pray that you would just um, help us to see where we're at and to make a, a mental change, a mental ascent this morning that would help us walk a different path that would be uh, more in line with what, where you want for us. Help Crosspoint, help us individually to do these things. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. Find us on Facebook at MyCrosspoint, where we help you connect with God on a daily basis.